This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Ross Gallagher, Ventures Director here at 11FS. In this episode, we are taking a closer look at trust across financial services. The 2008 financial crisis was a pretty pivotal time, I think, to put it uh, to put it bluntly. Uh, so certainly, uh, big banks—they they, they, all of a sudden they could fail, um, and our money just didn't feel as safe as it once did. So, trust in that whole system suffered a hit, which many thought was irreparable. However, the industry has since gone through a quite transformative period. Uh, improved regulation, more effective governance, and a huge exercise in rebuilding that trust with the customer. In a world that now looks uh, really quite different from 2008, we want to tackle the tricky matter of trust head-on. So how do financial services firms build trust? Um, how do they keep it? And what makes one financial services provider more, quote, trustworthy than another? Now, to have this discussion with me, I'm joined by some really great guests. Um, firstly, we're delighted to welcome Jordan Sinclair, president at Robinhood UK. Um, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. It's really great to have you. Um, maybe you can just give us a little bit um, of background on yourself and a little overview of uh, Robinhood and what they're up to here in the UK. Yeah, sure. And and thanks for having me, Ross. And uh, on again, Aiden, great to chat with you guys today. So Jordan Sinclair, I'm the president of Robinhood UK, and we've recently launched November last year, Robinhood's first international market right here in the UK. And can you believe it? Robinhood is 10 years old, um, reached over 90 billion in assets, over 20 million in customers. And uh, now we're expanding and, and taking our mission of democratizing finance for all beyond just the US. So <clears throat> what we've launched is a wait list at the beginning of the end of last year, and will we have public availability at the beginning of this year? Really? Solving UK customer problems, though, not just taking our US business and, and dropping it here and, and hope it works. I don't think that's the way. That's probably the, some of the topics we'll, we'll discuss today, really understanding their needs around fees and, and protections. Uh, myself, I have an experience across banking and management consulting here in London and chartered accountant by, by trade. So, um, yeah, boring alert on that. Can't help it. And uh, I just came back from South Africa, which is home, hence the accent and the very minimal tan that will last about one day here in London. Excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, huge, huge congratulations um, to you guys. I mean, it's a huge step um, branching out into uh, international markets. Um, really exciting time. I know, uh, as you say, that public availability coming up this year, really, really exciting. Um, and look, great that you have um, come on and... Uh, to sort of share your insights with us as well. So, so thank you for that, Jordan. Um, now, also joining us this week is Monica Hovsepian, the head of financial services industry at OpenTech. So, Monica, likewise, look great to have you on the show. Again, maybe you can just give us a little bit of uh, background to yourself and, and sort of what you do. Thank you very much. Honored and privileged to be with such great 
uh, co-panelists today. Uh, hello, everybody. I'm Monica Ovsepian. I lead the financial services vertical at OpenText from an industry strategy perspective globally and have been with the company for over five years now. I am not going to age myself and tell you how long I've been in the industry, but it has been over 25 years now and I've loved what I'm doing. Um, I'm based in Toronto, Canada, where it is absolutely miserable weather currently. We had some snow and rain yesterday and there's apparently a lot more coming over the weekend. Um, so um, for those of you who don't know who Open Text is, we are the information management company. Uh, about 19 of the top 20 global financial services organizations trust and partner with us, Open Text, for their critical information management requirements. When we think about information and data, um, most of the world's information that we're sharing is unstructured data. And that is really what actually Jordan and Aiden are utilizing to actually serve their customers. And that really builds that trust. So I think we're going to talk a lot more about that. So with that, I'm going to pass it back on to you, Russ. Yeah, thank you, Monica. I think you've got a unique lens um, on trust and how we should think about trust. So again, really appreciate you um, coming on the show and, and, and sharing your insights. Um, and then finally, we've got a big FinTech insider. Hello to Aiden Rushby, the CEO at Carmula. So Aiden, um, really great to see you. Thank you for uh, jumping on. And again, look, maybe you can just give us a little bit of a, an introduction, a little bit of background, I guess, both to yourself and, and of course, Carmula. Yeah, of course. Uh, um, well, thanks very much for having me on the show, Ross, uh, and great to meet you, Jordan and Monica. Um, yeah, like I guess my my background is a serial entrepreneur. Uh, Carmilla is my second venture now, uh, and I like I guess my passion and, and reason why I love building businesses. I, I really see it as a way of helping consumers. Uh, I'm massively passionate about the consumer, and I see businesses um, uh, as really the kind of heart uh, and soul of how to do that. So, um, Carmilla really came out of my frustration uh, in the car industry. Uh, the the used car finance market is uh, pretty diabolical uh, from a consumer perspective. Uh, dealerships uh, kind of really kind of ripping consumers off uh, and all the point of sale finance. So Carmilla is a direct consumer car finance lender, which uh, we deliver the, the solution that is easier, cheaper and faster car finance. We do this through a mobile app uh, where a customer within 60 seconds gets a budget and uh, they just enter the rate of the car they want to buy, and then they were able to go and buy that car instantly from any dealership, uh, just making it super easy and straightforward for them to purchase. Love that. I mean, such a such a pain point um, where you're positioning yourselves really just to sort of solve that for the consumer. And I think really interesting when you think about uh, trust in the context of some of those challenges, um, the sort of industry-specific challenges, um, Aiden, that you raised. So looking forward to sort of getting into that in a little bit more detail as well as we... Uh, as we go through the show, so um, thank you all for joining. That's our uh, that's our panel. So let's uh, let's dive right in. I guess um, I think firstly, you know, trust. I think everybody would would probably unanimously agree that we should work on building trust with our customers, and that there's a, a, a probably a real upside to that. But I suppose maybe nailing down a, a, a definition that we're all aligned on around trust uh, is, 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 is a little bit less straightforward. Um, Monica, I'm going to come to you first, just because I read your uh, 
your piece in Forbes and a couple of other bits. And I think you've got a good interpretation, I suppose, of how we should how we should think about trust as it relates to our customers. So um, I'd love you to sort of give us a little bit on that, maybe just to get us get us off and running, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, it starts with providing the right set of products and the right interface to start developing that relationship. Trust is very much like jumping into a relationship, what you're having with your friends, right? With a significant other. It's the same thing what that trust is with a financial institution. So it's making sure that you're providing the right product at the right time with the right level of information and education to your customer. Once you do that, it's also level setting. What kind of services uh, you're going to provide. So it's that SLA. If you're going to say you're going to do something, you should be able to do that something for that customer in that right time frame. And if you're going to miss that SLA, you should communicate that back to the customer. So setting those gateposts for the customer. That then starts building that trust and that loyalty. So the customer is aware of it and they're not constantly chasing you. By doing that, you're also enabling your employees and providing them with the tools to be able to service that customer, providing them with the insights as well. And at the same time, your employees, right? And then that then builds the trust so that you can go back and offer them more products. When we take a look at financial services institutions, it's selling that one single product doesn't build, they're not profitable for you. It takes 2.x products. It's generally 2.3, 2.4 products that a customer becomes profitable. In order for you to get there, you need to build that trust with that customer. And then it's the security. Security is pivotal. Now, um, I was reading some articles and they're from last, they're from 2022. Those are the stats that we currently have. 2023 stats have not come up because we're a little bit early in the year, right? So we need to decipher all the data. Every 39 seconds, an institution, now I'm not talking about financial services, but an institution is being attacked by a cyber attack. Okay. 39 seconds. I want to go back. That That's huge. Okay. Financial services institutions are the second highest attacked. Okay. After healthcare. Why? Because of the level of information that are being stored. 565 financial services institutions were attacked in 20 by December of 2022. Like I said, we don't have the numbers for 23. That's a lot of information. That completely destroys trust. Now, I want to go back. Last Saturday morning, I woke up and I actually got a text message from my financial services institution telling me that my credit card was compromised. My first thought was, this is another phishing attack. Why? Because phishing is the 85 to 95% of cyber attacks are happening through phishing. So I didn't know if it was real or not, but my bank was really smart. They followed up with an email and then they followed up with a call. So that's when I knew that they had my back. And that's exactly what we're looking for from our financial services institutions. We want them to have our financial health and our financial well-being in mind. We want them to become partners for us. 
And that, I think, Aiden, is kind of what you're really kind of doing, right? You want to become their partner. You found a niche. And that's exactly what we're all looking for. We're looking for that Amazon effect. I hate to go back to the gaffas, but I think the gaffas have actually they've tapped into something. They're providing that visibility, that transparency, that ease of use, and it's a niche market. And Jordan, you've got that too, right? You're providing low cost, easy to use. You're now tapped into providing that education as well. So how do we tap into that and utilize that information to provide a service for consumers and become their partner? And that's exactly how you build trust. And trust can be defined differently for each customer. So I found that I can now really trust my financial services institution through my experience because they personalize something for me. I don't want to hijack this call now. No, but it's it's excellent. And actually, just as a framework, I think, for thinking about trust, super comprehensive. And what it really does for me is it, I guess, underscores the fact that there's no one area you can focus on just in building trust, right? It has to be a, in the DNA of sort of everything that you do, every single customer touch point. Aiden, I want to come to you next. I mean, um, you know, I looked at you guys, trust pilot score is excellent. So how do you guys, how do you guys think about trust and, and, and building that with your, uh, with your customers? Yeah, I think I'll start with, uh, we recently had Frank Rockman uh, from QED uh, on uh, to give us like our end of uh, year call. And he said something that I thought was really kind of resonates and really kind of links to this is like ultimately Carl Muller is building a brand. And uh, I really like this definition of a brand that he said to us, which is a brand is a promise that when kept creates preference. And like ultimately trust is like a key element of building a brand. And how do you build a brand? And uh, I think it comes back to like, why, like, why, why do you exist? Like, what are you trying to achieve? And Carmula, like, we, we very early on set our values. And I think values are fundamental to building a great organization and long term value. And one of our number one values is we, we have something that we say, deliver wow. And we talk a lot about delivering wow. And this is about delivering wow to the customer. And it's about delivering wow internally. And that kind of feeling you get when your expectations are just taken to the next level. And that's what we like try to do all the time at Carmilla. And uh, you know, I wasn't in financial services when I started Carmilla. It's a completely different industry. And uh, I remember doing you know, my ICA qualifications for, for compliance. And I was just blown away by the the lack of like customer centricity that there was in financial services. And um, yeah, like we we like start everything with our values and, and from that really kind of build out uh, on how we think about the product and how we've designed the business model and how we go about delivering the the experience to the consumer and like as i said like ultimately we're trying to build a brand that will the customers will trust and choose us over what is effectively a commoditized industry yeah i like that i mean it's 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 uh, in terms of what you're saying i think it is it's obviously a lot about building a brand and then it's also about how you deliver for customers um and that's i think 
probably across two levels as well, delivering in terms of like consistently doing what you say you're going to do. But then I love that point that you made about delivering. Wow, it actually reminds me of um, another show that we did um, recently looking at holistic financial well-being. And we had um, Sujata Sebastia, the COO from Monzo on the show, and she talked about um, building sort of connection and empathy with customers and that being at all levels of the organization she referred to it as kind of what they what they call monzo magic um so i think it's 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 kind of similar um i mean jordan one of the one of the really interesting things um i guess from robin hood uk's perspective is um you know you're coming into a new market and i suppose you can think sort of bottom up about how you build um that well not necessarily the brand because of course the the, the brand has existed and has been very successful in the us um but in terms of building that um that trust in that that customer connection and i say trust you, ne you never stop building it's something you earn and something you do every single day with all your customers and i think monica and to spoke about different areas that are important to different customers and you don't stop, uh, you're always improving. And for us, that was one way of approaching it is actually talking to customers here in the UK. And that's important with expansion. It's not just to look at an opportunity based on a spreadsheet or a PowerPoint, but but to understand customer needs and, and target expansion and how best you can solve that. And, and for us, it is around uh, FX fees that customers are still paying, lack of access, lack of access to tools, data, research, uh, lack of the uninvested cash working hard for them. And then when you look at trust and financial services, being a regulated industry does provide a framework to make sure that you are protecting customers' interests. And and for us, it's it's a customer's life savings, right? I mean, it's so important to every customer and we're an FCA regulated firm and, and that comes with the consumer duty framework and, and there's ways in, in how you implement that. I think what's important in the product is making sure customers understand that. So for us, building this product here is how who regulates us. We're maybe we're a US firm, but we're regulated by the FCA. Help them understand that. How is your cash protected? We offer two point two five million dollar protection on uninvested cash. What does that mean for you? That education, that information, all of that. Not just take for granted that everyone will perhaps understand an investment product or. Um, has the same level of investment knowledge. We want to help everyone on that journey. So I think that's an important part of trust is just making sure that it's accessible and, and the right information's there. I think that's such a good point. And I think when you look across um, financial services providers who obviously who, who are regulated, um, those frameworks are there. So whether it's the um, financial services compensation scheme or whether, as you mentioned, it's um, consumer duty or you know, in a payments context, maybe Section 75 of the um, Consumer Credit Act. Um, but I, the the point that you made that I, I think is so important is it's not just um, showing those as, you know, badges at the bottom of your website. It's actually engaging customers and helping them understand what that means for them and giving them um, the information and the context to make those right decisions. I really like that. Um, I really like that point. And you have to have a great product too, right? Like it needs to have a a, a great uh, user experience, and you have to be. I think I mean, Aiden's touched on what what you built. You identified an area that was just rubbish, right? And you found ways to meet customer needs, and you can incorporate a lot of these trust elements in a great product. And it's that combination that can meet the customer needs and and that wow factor. But you kind know, of safety first as a principle for us. That's how 
that's embedded in your product development. And what you deliver then is a product that's awesome and a product that a customer can trust. I also think it's sometimes thinking as well about what you're not going to do. Uh, I think like, I think when you're building a product, if you really want to deliver an amazing experience, you need to control the whole experience. And I think you have to be very conscious around, you know, what you show and what you don't show. For example, at Palmillo, we've thought long and hard about, do we add car search to our app? So at the moment, a customer downloads our app, they basically put in the registration number of the car they want to buy, and we show them all the valuation information on that car or the history of that car. And then we just generate them a virtual card where then they can pay. But you know, there's a lot of time when we've discussed, like, should we add car search so people could actually search the auto trader API and be able to, 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 to find the vehicles in the products as well. And it's really interesting because you then start to say to yourself, uh, but then you're introducing other people's data into the mix, things that you don't control. And are you then taking on all of that liability and all of that risk? of their processes and the way they think about it. And you kind of end up with this like emergence of, of culture. Uh, and it's kind of, yeah, you, I, I think like to build a really great product in fintech, you, you, as I said, like it's more just about what you're not going to do as much as what you are going to do if you really want to build trust uh, and, and deliver an incredible experience. Aidan, what I like to refer to is just because you can doesn't mean that you should, right? <laughs> so you've carved out your, you know, sandbox and you're staying in it. And I think that is absolutely wonderful. I, I, I think that point, Aiden, is well about um, you almost sort of like surrender the control around that user experience by, you know, sort of moving them into someone else's environment with somebody else's UX. And um, Monica, I think in, in your article, I think in relation to um, sort of digitizing some of these experiences. Um, you talked about non-personal service delivery. And we have a similar sort of um, way of thinking around sort of digitization at 11FS, which is you, you almost kind of push the, 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 the customer further away um, if you don't do it properly, right? Um, and we talk about this sort of one-size-fits-nobody approach. So how do, you, how do you start to think about designing for trust specifically in a um in in a digital environment where actually you can deliver that same or or, or an enhanced level of trust as you would in a um i guess a bricks and mortar or a sort of face-to-face -face interaction right i mean those days are kind of gone right that we used to walk into the branch when was the last time any of us actually walked into the branch hands down um, my domicile branch doesn't look anything like it used to. I did have to walk in because I had to take my mom in to go into the, her safety deposit box. It looks like a little cafe. It looks nothing like the branch that it used to be. And that engagement that we used to have as a one-on-one -on -one has now gone away. So has the trust actually dissipated? I, I don't think so. But that relationship that we used to build of that human to human has now gone away. So um, I think the role, first of all, I believe that that brick and mortar and the role of the branch has now completely changed. The branch is now going to become more of an advisory center and more of a consultative place where we're not going to go in there and do those one-off transactions. I think there's a generational gap 
My mom will still insist on going into the branch, and she still does. She is still going to go in there and do certain transactions. And there is no way that we're going to sway her from doing that. There are certain people that are still going to go and start using cash. I have seen that the numbers of um, people utilizing the ATM to take out cash has recently gone up. So cash is still not dead, and it will continue to be part of our currency and continue. However, how do we build those relationships on a digital channel, right? Now, nobody was asleep last year when we saw ChatGPT come out, right? So we're going to see more of those engagements, but those engagements need to become more humanistic, right? Digitizing those humanistic interactions. You touched on something becoming more empathetic. And I think in this current economic and political environment that we're in, those engagements need to become a lot more empathetic as well, too. So um, it's making things more relevant and more personalized. And when we're communicating with a robot, those communications need to become a lot more humanistic as well. And when required, that engagement immediately moves over to a human channel rather than put them through this roundabout of, did I answer your question? No, ask it in a different way. And, you know, so that we don't frustrate customers. I, I think you've nailed it. I think it's like making sure that um, we're delivering those those rich interactions for customers. They have to be real-time, intelligent, contextual. Jordan, I'm really keen to sort of bring you in on this as well, obviously, with the... Uh... Yeah, I'd I say, Monica, you're spot on. I think from talking to customers, confirming it, their expectations of a support model have, have increased. That they, want, they don't want to just have a chatbot, that's it. I mean, for us, we, we deliver chat, email, and phone support. And for customers, that's important, that... When they have an issue and it can't be solved through some a particular channel, that there is a route to actually speak to someone who can support them. And as I said, it's their life savings and, and their investments, and that's important for them. And you have to provide that service, and you can really build that relationship. Sometimes there are things that a customer needs help with, and if you do that in a great way and solve that for them, you can actually turn it into a positive experience and 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 that's good for you. And then you can learn from it. I think that's also important as a business. What was wrong for this customer? How did you solve it? What can we do better? That cycle is really important to actually build that trust and just keep doing it for the next customer and the next customer and the next customer. We had to think about this quite a lot. Uh, obviously, we're a, a lender, so uh, the vast majority of customers that apply Unfortunately, we can't help them uh, for, for, for various reasons, especially when you're a new lender and you only have so much amount of money that you can lend. Um, I think we've had like 2 million people apply now for, for credit on our products in like less than 18 months of go live. And um, one of the things that we kind of, we, when we were planning Carl Muller's execution, like we spent probably just as much time designing the unhappy paths as we did the happy paths. And uh, we're, we're big believers in behavioral economics and we spent a long time making sure that those negative uh, and those unhappy journeys were just as engaging and just as wow as the positive journeys. And so um, 
obviously we made made the positive journey like super sticky from a digital perspective by like we did things like we added the car name generator as part of the flow so you get to name your car and it spins around and it's like a, <laughs> uh, like a really fun thing to do as part of the process i'm sure everyone has named their car in their life you know and we deliver what's your what's your car called <laughs> i think it's like doris we deliberately uh, <laughs> of course it is we did, we, we deliberately put like <laughs> old English names in there. So you can choose if it's a boy's name or a girl's name. Um, and we made it fun. And so they're like the things that we, they Carmuda did to like make it really like sticky and engaging and, and fun as well. Um, but like equally, like I think like with any product, you, you know, you can't always help customers. And so you just have to think about those like unsuccessful journeys and how you build trust and, you know, every customer is potentially a future customer as well. Yeah, making sure that even if it's not the outcome that they want, that that experience was still as positive as it, it could be right in that in that context. And I, I agree. I think that's, uh, that's super important. I think um, maybe we are sort of getting close to an agreement um, or at least a framework on what um, trust is and, and, and how it can be established with our customers. So what I'll do is I'll take us to a very quick break. And then in the next section, we'll look at just a little more at maybe how we keep that trust or, or sort of maybe more realistically what we can do not to not to damage it or lose it um, as that relationship continues. Um, so yeah, we'll be back after this very quick break. So please don't go anywhere. The time for community banks and credit unions to win is now. While the big players and exciting new challenges grab headlines, regional institutions are at the heart of the banking ecosystem, putting the service back into financial services. Serving their local communities, these organisations around the world have a unique advantage over their competitors. They have deep, established roots with their customers. They offer local personal service and they're not tangled up in the legacy tech mess that the big banks are. To read, watch and listen to what else we've got to say about them and how they can win, visit 11fs.com forward slash community banks. That's 11fs.com slash community banks. Okay, welcome back to Fintech Insider Insights. Now, we've discussed in detail what we think it takes to win trust as a financial services provider, but how do you keep it? What are the big turnoffs for a customer and what can companies actually do to address this? So, Jordan, I'm going to come to you first. I mean, you've got a lot of sort of big bank experience. Obviously, trust is an important sort of customer retention metric. Um, interested in that sort of Revolut lens and I suppose thinking of it as a one of those sorts of more maybe complex financial products when you think about trading and investments. Um, is there an extra, I suppose, sort of burden there in terms of like building that trust, giving customer the information that we talked about in the previous section? If for us, it's important to create an experience that makes customers feel like it isn't overcomplicated and it should just be for those who have extensive investment experience or have a a certain wealth level that gives them access to certain types of products or certain services. I think what's important for us is to build a product that is a level of simplicity with the right education and information to guide that customer, both the confident investor and the less confident investor. And for us, the other side of that is that if you haven't decided on your investment strategy that you can earn interest on your cash, we offer 5% interest on cash, and that's protected up to $2.25 million. And if you think about the last 
24 months or so. I mean, who would have thought of the the banking um, kind of crises that we're experiencing? Well, we're not a bank, but I think for all of us, it, it, we probably checked the news and thought, and we were all in the industry and we all checked the news and thought, hang on, what about my money type thing? We all know how the industry works and, and the protections, but does the average customer, and it's important that they do too and that they feel protected. So for us, it's making it clear in the app how they're protected. It's like making them feel like they have access to education throughout the throughout the experience, but also for, for customers that, that haven't joined us yet. So for us, it's important that the educational materials are available to everyone. If you haven't signed up, you haven't gone through and made an investment yet, that's okay. Um, for us, outside of that, our mission is also to increase financial literacy. And we can do that and, and make an impact in the UK like we have in the US. That's an amazing achievement and, and something we want to want to do at the same time. And when we look at our products and something like 24-5 trading, which we'll offer in the UK, it is a different experience and kind of takes time zones out the way, which is strange to think it, it constrains or, or dominates how you think about your investments in the US market and making sure customers understand that and, and that can build trust when they feel like it's a new product, but you've made them feel like they can understand it and take part in it. Yeah, so Jordan, two things that I want to, um, I guess, pick up on um, from what you said. I think that point um, around education is is worth um, double-clicking on sort of generally because I suppose giving giving customers the information they need to feel comfortable that they're ready to start investing um, is, is going to be key. And um, I think the other point that you made that was really interesting was making those education resources available to everybody, not just sort of active customers because... I suppose some people just will want to engage with that stuff and it'll take them a little while to warm up to the idea um, of investing and becoming a Robinhood customer. Exactly that. I, I mean, what we want is people to feel comfortable that they can go on an investment journey. I mean, the power of markets over time and compounding and, and the ability to grow wealth should be something that everyone has access to. And education can be a barrier. It's a but perhaps a barrier that's not highlighted enough, I think, in the UK, if we look at participation and in investing relative to some of the other OECD countries and relative to the US, it's, it's a substantial difference. And I do think education is one of those barriers, and, and our hope is to, to impact that in, in our way, along with the industry as, as a whole. I think there's some great uh, initiatives across the industry to kind of increase capital market participation. So we'd like to contribute to that. Um, and, and Ross, your second question again was the first. What, what did you ask again? Yeah, so the first the the first one was just. I mean, I think to be fair, I think you've answered both. Um, but it was just about yeah, giving people the information that they need to understand. I suppose their own financial situation in the context of investing, because I guess investing won't be right for everybody at a at a, at a point in time, right? Yeah, I said the other part that we've pulled out separately from the US app is actually a news tab. So we call them surfaces at the bottom of the app. And what we found from the customer research is, is customers were finding it difficult to put two and two together. They read a story about a particular company, uh, market movements, uh, a stock, and don't necessarily know how to put that together with there's a stock that they perhaps could invest in. And, and not just news on a stock detail page, are you looking at Apple, here's the news, but just going into the app, seeing what's out there, looking at the headlines, seeing how that impacts stocks, looking at the educational tools. 
and making, using the app not just for investing, right? Until you're ready to make that decision, there's a lot of other tools and being part of financial markets, there's a lot of components there. And there's a lot of information. I mean, Ross, 11FS contributes it. Like this podcast is part of that, right? Talking about the industry. I mean, it all, it all adds up. So I think it's that combination of information, education, news, access um, that really can contribute. Yeah, and I, I, I think there's, um, I really do think there's a growing appetite um, amongst the general, the general public for those types of um, resources and that that type of information, like which I think is is great to see because we always talk about um, that that sort of financial literacy gap. So I think that being out there and people willing to educate themselves can only be a good thing. Um, Aidan, what do you what do you sort of think? I mean, obviously you guys are positioning yourselves, as we mentioned, around solving that sort of access piece. And, and, and that was a big gap. And then, you know, how do you think about then that um, customer relationship on like an ongoing basis, sort of maintaining and then building that relationship? Yeah, like ultimately, like building that ongoing relationship is critical for us. You know, we, we hope that customers will entrust us to deliver other solve some of their problems as we go forward, whether that's the car insurance or whether that's spending around the vehicle uh, and hopefully, you know, help them support them going into their next vehicle as well. So that we take ongoing customer trust and relationship like super seriously. You know, from the very beginning, as soon as somebody comes to customer, we'll send them an information packet out where they get like car mood of socks and an air freshener and, and a story about the the, the brand and why we started it uh, to, you know, like all the really nice details. Like, you know, for example, I've got a, a loan with a high street bank. You try and make a, 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 you know, partial payment on that loan. No chance. They don't tell you how much interest you're paying. Um, like we, we were like super clear with the customer. We allow them to pay. If they want to pay a pound towards their loan at any time, Seven days a week, 365 days a year, they can do it in the app in seconds. We've shown them how much of the car they've paid off. They should have named the car, plus like what percentage uh, of the, the loan they paid off. If they want to pay off early, we tell them how much interest it will save them. You know, they, we take that super seriously and we, we really believe that customers today are smart. They, I really, really believe they are. There's so much information out there, there's so much knowledge. If if you don't give them the respect uh, and the trust uh, and and the honesty, you, you're 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 going to get absolutely destroyed uh, in the long run. So we try and be like very open with our customers. We want them to understand how the loan works. We don't want them to, uh, you know, like a car is a key part of people's lives. They need it to go and see their friends, their family. Uh, it, it's an essential kind of product that people need and so we're providing that and um you know the fact that you know we need to make money is key key to that but like our whole business model is designed so that we can save the customer money we have fully automated the platform there's only 30 people in the company it runs fully fully automated 24 7 365 days a year i said to the guys before christmas i posted in our slack you know, an example of this, and it was, uh, I won't name the competitor, uh, but it was a poster over Christmas. And it must have, like, it was a LinkedIn post, and it was like tiny little posts. And it must have had like 30 different departments with all these different opening times and different numbers. And their name was something uh, that would uh, 
you'd expect them to be open 24-7. And so, you know, like when you see that, and then I've shared that with the team, I said, like, this is why we will win. Is that, uh, you know, you know, myself uh, and Amy were answering customer queries on Christmas Day. Uh, we, we're fanatical about, about the customer. And I think if you really want to build their trust, if you really want to own their kind of respect, then you, you need to take it seriously. You need to really believe it. Um, and I think you've got to be, it's got comfort yeah. from, from everyone, <laughs> uh, especially from the top. Yeah, and, you know, starting with those customer outcomes, but then, as you say, just being obsessed with their problem and, you know, sort of that becoming your problem. Like you said, I mean, sitting there on Christmas Day, answering those um, those customer queries. And look, I love the example that you gave of um, being able to come in at any point and make any payment that you need against your car loan. And I think we all know of um, financial services providers that are guilty of putting those points of friction when it comes to those types of things. Like I want to, um, I want to understand like, where am I going to save if I make an early payment on my loan? Where do I make the early payment? Oh, well, actually you've got to phone us to be able to do that. So to be able again, to be able to do that in the app, I mean, customers are going to do it. Like they will pick up the phone. They'll just hate you for it. And, and, and so I think, again, I think that's an excellent example. And I think, um, again, the, the, the visual of being able to see, you know, sort of where you're up to percentage wise, again, you know, the, the, the sort of car, like being able to visualize it easily, all of that stuff comes back, I suppose, a lot to what Jordan talked about around transparency. Um, so I guess the transparency obviously is, uh, I, I suppose a must have in the context of trust and everything that we're talking about. Um, Monica, what else comes to mind in terms of what maybe some of those must haves are, or, or what are some of those pitfalls? Like where might we lose that customer trust along the way? So I think Aiden and Jordan really touched on this. First of all, um, it has to come from the top down. Leadership needs to really push this down. Once leadership has taken ownership of delivering that great customer experience, it really comes down. Customer always in the center of things. Um, and then it's, Aiden, it's really easy when you're just starting off and you've got a smaller organization to do this. But for the incumbents, it's a little bit more complex when you've got numerous siloed systems and you've grown through M&A. Um, but some of them are really trying to do a really good job. Um, it's not always easy. We ran a survey um, through the financial brand to take a look to see how many systems does it take for an employee to engage with a customer, just to engage with a customer customer. And global banks responded and they said anywhere from six to 10 systems. So that becomes a huge, yeah, I know I saw you say, wow, and I wanted to let the audience know. Um, that, that becomes a huge friction point when your employees are touching anywhere from six to 10 systems just to engage with a customer. So when your mantra is let's deliver that best customer experience, but your employees are shackled they're trying to. And you're, you know, um, Jordan, you mentioned there's going to be times that your customers really want to, you know, that human touch, and we all do, but it takes time, right? And that swivel chair, and, you know, we've all been there, they're, they're writing stuff down on a sticky note or on a piece of paper so that they can copy it and post it onto another system. Um, that also introduces errors. And then what happens the next time the customer contacts and they go, you know, I had this open inquiry. Where is it? And they go, well, I'm not quite sure. Why don't I start another one for you? 
And then what happens? The customer gets really frustrated. So we need to make sure that none of that is actually happening. And there is a single, I know we've all talked about this. We've all been in financial services. A true 360 degree view of the customer across the entire enterprise so that people can also work on things at the same time so that we can expedite things, right? And then deliver that consistent customer experience across the entire enterprise. Through these business units, nobody really knows who the true customer is because they're siloed systems. If I were to go to my bank, but the credit card doesn't know that I've got a mortgage. The mortgage doesn't know that I've got a checking account and a savings account because they're all separate systems. But if they know who I am, they can serve me better. So then I get better products, right? So that's what it all comes down to. Um, Gartner is referring to this as the concept of total experience, and so are we. And I think that really resonates. And I think open banking will really bring this to the forefront if done right and if customers really trust us as well to consent to open banking and we can all come to terms with it and provide our information to be utilized in the right way to provide that total experience. Yeah, I'm I'm actually a little bit surprised that we hadn't touched on single view of the customer um, up until now because actually it is so pivotal and of course, especially when you're engaging with Big financial institutions, Monica, I think the example that you gave of, I hold one or two products with you already, and now I want to apply for a mortgage. Why do I have to start from zero? Why do I have to give you my first name, my surname, my date of birth, all of the stuff that you already hold? And of course, that's down to how these systems are designed and how the organizations are so siloed. Um, but I completely agree. Yeah, Russ, I talk a lot about that. And we've got a whole solution that's out there around total experience, not just for financial services and banking, but also around insurance. Yeah, I completely agree. You have to have the vision as an organization from the very early days that you, you plan to do some of these things. And I think like we made a very deliberate decision to build all of our tech in-house, so like fully automated, underwriting system, We've got our own loan management system, um, which now is kind of almost like an operating system for the whole business, our own like proprietary servicing platform. So that you can really like, otherwise why it happens, if you're with third party providers, you're always at the mercy of them to change things so that you can deliver the experience where if you build everything yourself and you're in control of it, you can, you can deliver that incredible experience and you can future-proof it to take it into to new areas. Like we spent a long time designing our loan management system so that you would be able to offer different products and services as we develop. And we went to like the nth degree, like we, we were like, really didn't want to show decimal points to the customer on the payments of the loan. So for example, we didn't want people to pay £308.52p per month. And when you run like an APR calculation, you would not believe how much work uh, <laughs> our, our, our CTAs were very, very unhappy that that was like a requirement I was never gonna, never gonna drop on. Where you have like APR counts that need to round up uh, or round down uh, to get it to work, um, and then the kind of touches that you can deliver if you do everything yourself and and you really kind of take that customer view and that kind of real understanding, I think. But yeah, like building those systems, I think, are key to kind of get a full, full view of that customer. 
I like that's almost like a it's it's kind of Steve Jobs esque in like the the controlling that whole uh the the, the whole thing and, and and that obsession with the the end user experience, which which I think is uh is what we need and what we're talking about. Um sadly we have come to essentially the end of the show. Jordan, before we move on, obviously I'm really conscious that it's quite an exciting time for you guys. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about, uh, I guess, what you're excited about over the next couple of months and, and, and any sort of sneak peek around what the next couple of months look like for you guys. <laughs> I'm excited about getting some sleep. Uh, I recently had twins. <laughs> I'm sure. It's far harder for my wife than me, but uh, some sleep will be. I'm looking forward to. Um, but yeah, it's super exciting for us. First market outside of the US. Um, you can join our waitlist on Robinhood.com. We'll be launching public availability early this year, so uh, not long to go. And yeah, we're really excited. I mean, we think we really are solving pain points that are obviously not solved in the UK with no FX fees on trades, 24-5 trading, 5% interest on uninvested cash. And, and that's the product we've started with, and it's certainly not where, we, where we're stopping. I think that what am I really excited about? It's tailoring that product. It's taking the Robinhood experience listening to uk customers i mean there's important things like retirement is one of the it is the number one reason that customers were investing or prospective customers how do we deliver the robin hood experience with some of the tax wrappers that are out there take our us retirement experience which had a great success in a short space of time and and really just change that and, and make it accessible for for everyone so yeah really excited i think first market certainly not our last as well so yeah i'm really looking forward to 2024 and I'll be looking out for Doris on the roads as well. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think we all will. Um, excellent. Well, look, yeah. Uh, again, it's it's one uh, that we'll be keeping an eye on for sure. So so thanks for that, Jordan. Um, and look, thanks to you all because um, it's been a super super interesting and and an enlightening discussion. It's gone. It seems to have gone incredibly quickly, but that does wrap uh, wrap it up. Um, thanks again for joining. And um, maybe if we just go around the room and just. Uh, you can tell us where where people can find out a little bit more about yourselves and and, and your company. So, uh, Jordan, let's let's start with you. Yeah. So, join our waitlist on Robinhood.com, and we'll be in the app stores and and on web soon enough. Excellent, Monica. How about you? OpenText.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. Look at my blogs on the OpenText webpage, and um, as Ross mentioned, my Forbes articles. Excellent. Glad we could get that plug in there. Um, and Aiden, how are you? Uh, yeah, you can uh, obviously download the app at uh, the Google Apple Play Store. Just search Carmula and uh, you're soon to find it. And uh, yeah, get your budget and get started looking for a new car. Superb. Um, and you can still just about find me on X. I'm still there. One of the last ones rattling around um, at Ross Gallagher 07. Uh, Thank you for listening. Um, if you like what you've heard, please do follow our podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review. It really does help to make the show better and it also helps others to find it. As always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media. Just search for 11FS or Fintech Insider or email podcasts at 11FS.com. Thanks very much and goodbye. Keeping up with all the noise and news from the world of financial services isn't easy. It's easy to get lost in buzzwords, jargon, and industry speak. So sometimes you just need a quick human rundown of the biggest stories. Well, you are in luck. Bite-sized is our very own weekly newsletter that takes the biggest news stories from financial services and tells you exactly what's happening, why it matters, and what comes next. 
Bite Size goes out every Friday at 11am, so you can enjoy it with a coffee as you wrap up your week. Stay up to speed with the fast-moving world of financial services and subscribe today at 11fs.com forward slash newsletters. That's 11fs.com forward slash newsletters.